Thank you for streaming the audio messages of the Fountain Church. Anyway, today we're, we're going to be talking about uh, transition. You know, it's funny, and um, we're a family here, so, um, you know, I, I tell Pastor Matt all the time, you, you live and you die in the transitions. And so I know inside he is dying because that, that mic stand just fell over. <laughs> but it's so unique because what it is is we're in a worship moment and something happens and it instantly takes us out. It's the small details that make a huge difference, but oftentimes we overlook the details, which creates more opportunity for distractions to occur. And, and, and so that's why, you know, I, I work with churches all, all over the, the country and, and we talk about uh, just their service flows and their systems and processes. Anyway, so often uh, what we talk about is transitions. But I know to also as, as individuals, there's not just transitions in a service or, you know, but there's life transitions. There, there are things that we go through. There's physical transitions. You know, you're, you're a little kid and, you know, you, we've got three young boys. They're all the same age as Pastor Matt and Jackie's girls. And um, so it's so funny. It's rambunctious all the time, high energy, wrestling, fighting, uh, and which I love. Anyway, so, uh, but as, as they're going, you know, like our oldest is like, he's just long and, and scrawny and like bony, you know, like, and he smells of this wet dirt. It's just constant <laughs> wet dirt. But I know in a blink of an eye that, that it's going to smell like not wet dirt. It's just like stinky little, like, like pubescent boy. Like that smell is coming, you know? And so there's those awkward, like physical transitions. And then you get a little bit older, you kind of find your, yourself, and, and then all of a sudden your metabolism just decides to go on strike forever, right? And you're just like, there is stuff in places I didn't want, right? And, and I don't know how to get it off. And I work hard and it won't leave. So it's just decided to stay with me. So here, here we are. Um, and, and then, you know, you get to, to another season where things begin, not just your metabolism breaks down, but your body's just not working the way that it used to or the way that you expect it to. I have uh, my, my dad's parents, so my grandparents, uh, are both 94 years old, and it's incredible to hear some of their stories. They've been married for 74 years, and it's just an incredible testament. Yep. Thank you. And I was visiting with them a couple weeks ago, and uh, before I left, I just asked my grandma, I said, Grandma, how can I pray for, for you guys? Like, I, you know, the, they're just in such a, a, a unique season in, in their life, and she said, she said, she said pray for my, for my health. And um, I said, okay, g- give me a little bit more, more context. She, and she's just talking about how her, her spirit is, is so willing. She, she is so used to doing and getting up and being active. And her favorite thing to do, obviously, uh, well, you don't know, it's obvious, but for me, this is obvious for my grandma, dollar store. Like, the dollar store is her jam. Like, she's just like, get, she gets her basket and she's got a 20. And she's like, gonna, she's going to max it out. And so, um, like, she just can't get up and do that when she wants now. And so it's like, because just her body's not working the way that it once was. And she's got that tension, you know, that, that tension in, in, in this transition. And, and then we, we have our, 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 our life goes in, in transitions, you know. We go back and, and we realize, you know, so we're socially awkward. All of us, no matter what you think, are socially awkward in middle school. And then the high school, you realize the pressure of actually the social dynamics. And then, you know, you choose a career path or a college path. And there's this independence 
and this realization that you get a bunch of money, a bunch being very, very uh, relative, uh, but then a bunch, all of it goes back out to your bills and everything else. And if you're lucky, you, you have enough money left over to buy a burrito, which then creates that thing, you know, like it's a vicious cycle. And, and, and as, as, you, as you grow, then, then, you know, relationships begin. And, and so these transitions aren't always bad transitions, they're, they're, but they're always, also not always very comfortable transitions. But we recognize that transitions are inevitable. And as you get these kids and, and they're beginning to grow, somebody wise once told me, he says, the days are long, but the years are short. The days are long and the years are short. And I can't believe I'm a parent of a, he's, he's going to be going into kindergarten and I'm just, I don't feel that old, but I look down and I'm like, man, it's been that long. This is crazy. And, and, and so we begin to see that these seasons of transitions, whether they were ready for them or not, they're coming, right? And as the kids go out of the house, then we're feeling like, okay, it's maybe a new season for us as a couple to enjoy the empty nest or uh, to see our kids have kids. Or then you move into the season where you're retiring or you're done with work. And, and all of these transitions, again, they're not bad, but if we're not ready for them, then we don't necessarily always know how to respond to them. But there's also circumstantial transitions, ones where it's, it's, it's a big move. You're, you're leaving your friends and your family and you're going somewhere new or you're going to... Um, you, you have a, a, a new job, or you're let go from a job, or maybe when it comes to finances, or you're in a seasons where you have plenty, and there's others where you can't even make ends meet. And then the relationally, the ones where somebody's left you, whether it's because of death, or because of divorce, or because you're just feeling like, I, this, is a, this is a relationship I can't stay in. And there's those transitions, and so we wrestle with this tension in transition. And I think if we're not careful, in these transitions, that what we do is we look at our circumstances, and because of our circumstances and all the things that happen and all the emotions that are into it, whether it's fear, whether it's anger, whether it's anxiety, whether it's happiness or joy, that if we're not careful, we'll let our emotions determine our response to transition. But I think God has something greater for us because he's saying, listen, you know there will be transitions, right? We all know that there is a transition at some point in time that's coming. So we have to be prepared for those transitions to respond appropriately. We've we got to be ready to, to say, okay, I know a transition's coming. How am I going to respond to the transition? How can I be stable in my response not let my circumstances de determine my response? And as you guys have been working through this series, you know, I think it's real interesting um, that uh, we're, we're, we're talking about this, and, and it was quite a challenge. You know, I had to do a lot of homework this week, watching a ton of movies. You know, my, my wife is just like, can you just pause on Netflix? Uh, and I was like, you know what, I, this is for the sermon. Uh, this is real. I really got to like, and I found it. I found the movie. It's, it's pretty dramatic, so, so, so if you have young kids, um, you know, maybe ready with the eyes covered. It's about a young girl. I'm just kidding. I'm, I'm really just uh, hamming this up. It's not that dramatic. But um, you, it's about a young girl who's, who's going through some transitions and, and ha had some um, real challenges in, in through these transitions and is battling with her emotions. So I just want to give you a quick look, set the stage for today. Take a, take a look. 
That pretty much happens to all of us, right? <laughs> Our emotions just take over the control board at any moment. And these, these transitions just, I think, is like a pressure cooker for those. Is that it, it just adds this, this added amount of pressure to say, how are we going to respond to transitions? And I don't think anybody in the Bible went through more transitions than the people of Israel. Because that's really what the story is about God's chosen people. And they transition from, from going from Abram, transitions to Abraham, and is given this promise by God and saying, I'm going to make you into a great nation, and, and I'm going to give you this promised land. And he has uh, kids, and they have kids, and the 12 tribes are born. And then there's this famine that hits the land, and so they all move down into Egypt where they grow into the great nation. And they're there for 400 years, and they become under oppression by the, the Egyptians and, and become slaves and then God raises up a leader, Moses, to, to help them in this mass exodus to go inhabit the land that he promised to Abraham. And while they're out in the desert, again, they, they start to loathe this experience. They, they, they start to doubt and to question whether this is really truly what they've been called to do. And, and they start looking back and they say that we had it far greater in Egypt, right? They, they, it's like, we get to, you, you used to eat fish all the time, and they don't realize the work and the pressures that came with being slaves. And so God, you know, kind of in this transition says, okay, listen, there's consequences to that. I'm going to provide through this, but there are consequences to that. And so that generation spends the next 40 years in wandering in the desert as a new generation rises to take its place in order to inhabit the promised land. And that's where we pick up today, is that there's the people of Israel, now led by Joshua, who was under Moses, is, is faced with the Jordan River. And beyond the Jordan River is the promised land, and they're met with this, this obstacle. Oftentimes, what I think we, we feel like when we are in a season of transition, there's this obstacle that we just don't know how we're going to cross, and and that's the tension that we wrestle with is we say, man, God, why did you leave, take us out of this, this um, slavery in Egypt and take us through this wandering for 40 years, all to lead us to this river that we can't pass? But they're short-sighted, right? Just 40 years earlier, what did God do to free them out of Egypt? Is he split the Red Sea, and that's exactly what he does there. He splits the Jordan River and allows them to walk through on dry ground. And he tells them, while you walk through, one leader from each of the tribes pick up a giant stone. Because this is what we're going to do with it. Here in um, Joshua chapter 4, verse 19. You can read it along with me. It says, The people came up out of the Jordan on the tenth day of the first month, and they encamped at Gilgal at the east border of Jericho. And those 12 stones which they took out of the Jordan, Joshua set up at Gilgal. And he said to the people of Israel, When your children ask their father in times to come, what do these stones mean? Then you shall let your children know, Israel passed over this Jordan on dry ground. For the Lord your God dried up the waters of the Jordan for you until you passed over, as the Lord your God did to the Red Sea which he dried up for those until we passed over, so that all the peoples of the earth, so that the reason that this happened is so that all the people of the earth, not just you, not just this nation, not just your grandkids or your kids and their grandkids, but that all people of the earth may know that the hand of the Lord is mighty. 
You see, in the midst of transition, the tension that we're wrestling with is that our circumstances determine our response to transition. Instead, we have to allow our circumstances to be captive to context. You see, in, in, in 2 Corinthians 5, I'm just going to paraphrase it for you, but it says that we, we, we don't battle with flesh and blood, but we battle in the spiritual realm. Therefore, we should take captive every thought to Christ. And so we've got to be inside our minds and understand, okay, this is a transition season. This doesn't feel comfortable. This is hard. This doesn't, like identifying our emotions and then saying, but wait, 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 wait. I have to take those captive to context, which means I got to step out. I got to view in light of my history of what I understand and know about God, what I've experienced about God in the past. How has he brought me through previous transitions? And what's so amazing is if you consider yourself a follower of Jesus, he's saying, don't just look at your circumstances, look at the scripture. Because this was written for us, so that all people of the earth may know the hand of the Lord is mighty. So if you don't have the context, let me help give you context. God is mighty. God has delivered his people through seasons of transition, and he will do that for you. That's something you can hold on to and say, okay, this season of transition, I knew it was coming. Because transition is inevitable. Therefore, I have to recognize that he will get us through. I'm putting it in context of the larger picture. In 2013, my, my wife, Angela, and I, we, we faced a transition. The biggest transition we'd ever had besides getting married, which in, in and of itself is a huge transition. I like to spread out in the bed, you know, like I keep the blinds closed all day long. You know, who needs sun? Like you got lights, right? Anyway, totally different. I'm off track. 2013, we had gotten married. We had been in our hometown, born and raised there. That's where we met. We started our jobs there. And for five years, we were working ministry, working, started a family. Our families were there. We had our rhythm. We had our flow. It was comfortable. But it was in that season that God challenged us. He said, okay, come with me. I want to show you greater things. And not knowing what that looked like and not knowing what was in store for us, we embarked upon a journey where we submitted ourselves to a leadership development program at Elevation Church in Charlotte, North Carolina, which is 2,000 miles away from anybody that we are comfortable letting watch our kids for free, right? <laughs> That's the hard part, you know? And we ended up having to sell half of our stuff. We moved into this tiny little apartment that smelt like wet dog. And the only thing I can say that if I were to say this season was marked by, I would say darkness. And you think, man, this is a transition where God's calling you to do this. Like it should be happy and it should be joy-filled. And I look back and I close my eyes and I think it just felt dark. But God gave us something in that moment. It was kind of like a monument that we can look back on and we can realize. He says, don't doubt in the darkness what I revealed in the light. Amen. And that's like, you look through scripture and that's not in scripture. Like, that's just something that I know he gave us. The principle is true. It's in scripture. The principle is what I'm talking about right now is give it context. Don't doubt in the darkness this moment, this season, this transition, what he's revealed in the light. 
And right now, that hangs on a plaque in our living room. That, that very phrase, and it says 2013, and we've got one from 2015. And we're beginning to establish a monument in our house of seasons of transition so that we can tell our kids, hey, this is what God showed us. This is when God proved to be mighty. Because now I look back at the whole experience, and I would never not do it again. I would have done it earlier. Whatever it took, we would have done, right? And so we've got to give our circumstances, they have to be captive to context. And so we say, what is your monument moments? In your life, look back and recognize where God has come through time and time again. What are the promises he's given you and the ways that he's fulfilled those promises? Because in the midst of your next circumstance or your next transition, you need to hold on to those. You need those. Look in scripture of the monuments, the festivals, the, the Passover, all of these things that they're celebrating and doing always reflect back on and reminding themselves of how God is faithful through those seasons. So that first one is that, you know, that's, that's the tension and transition. So we got to let our, our circumstances be captive to a context. The second thing I think is going to equip us for transitions is that we recognize there's a constant in transition. There's a constant in transition. You know, I, I go around and I, I work with churches a lot and I, and I help them with uh, whether it's their, um, it's, it's more behind the scenes stuff. So it's, so it's like uh, organizational structure, it's strategy, it's systems. I'm a nerd kind of like that. So I like that kind of stuff. Um, and, and, and as we talk though, Church can often become like a conveyor belt. It's like, it's like you drop something on a conveyor belt, and over time, it becomes out of date. Not church in itself. Church is, is God-ordained and established. It's the hope for the world. But the way we do church tends to be like that. He says, go out and, and preach my, my message to all the nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. He doesn't say how. He says, go and take that mission. Do that. And how we do that, we want to be relevant. We want to be real. We want to, you know, we don't want to get too crazy, but we want to just like, there are people out there that will never step into this room because of the way that we do church. And that's not knocking the way Fountain does church, but it's saying, how do we take the gospel to them? How do we organize the people in here and say, this is for you. He is for you because this is going to change. And so we, we, we talk with, with people about that, and, and I say it a lot of times, the only constant is change. The only constant is change. But as I'm preparing for this, I've overstated myself. I, I want to say the only other constant is change, because there is one who is constant throughout the whole, and it's him. It's, it's Jesus. And I, I think this picture is so incredible here in Joshua, so we Joshua 4, they cross through the Jordan, they set up the monument, and then they do a few other things to recognize and to put into context what God has done in the past and, be, and how he's been faithful. All the men that grew up in those 40 years were not circumcised in the desert. So there's one day, a day of weeping and gnashing of teeth, I am sure, within the camp of Israel, <laughs> where they all get circumcised. All the men are like, oh, Lord, they were committed to the calling, Right? And then they celebrate Passover. Passover is that, is that night where they reflect back when God freed them out of Egypt. He said, by the, the sacrifice of a lamb, the blood on the doorpost, the angel of death will pass over your house and your children will be safe. Your, your firstborn will be safe. It's an incredible picture, again, pointing towards something greater. 
all of this is pointing towards the final transition. Jesus coming and, 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 and his kingdom coming down and our redemption is what this picture is. And they celebrate the Passover and this will pick right up here in Joshua chapter 5. Verse 10, he says, While the people of Israel were encamped at Gilgal, they kept the Passover on the 14th day of the month in the evening of the plains of Jericho. So they're across the Jordan in Gilgal, right next to Jericho. Any, anybody familiar with Jericho? Jericho is a very large city with very big walls that God is calling them to uh, inhabit. They're, part, they're living in the promised land. I don't want to get too far ahead of myself, but it's going to be fun when we talk about Jericho. All right. The day after the Passover, on that very day, they ate of the produce of the land, unleavened cakes and parched grain. Joshua chapter 5, verse 11, is a verse that we should pause at and we should celebrate for a long time. Because we, uh, so regularly we read it and we'll just pass over, it's like, they celebrated Passover, and then they ate the fruit of the land, and then what? Let's get to Jericho. It's like, no, 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 no. That verse right there is the culmination of over 500 years of history. That verse there is the fulfillment of the promise that God gave to Abraham, that you will be and eat from the fruit of the promised land. This is a verse that it's like, everybody stop. Heaven, I'm sure, is just like, we did it. Finally, we're here. It's like the great transition we're in. But this is what's so amazing about our God, is that in transition, here is how he provides. He says, the manna ceased the day before they ate the produce of the land. Is that what your says? Oh, my goodness. My Bible must be... No, wait. The, they it carried through. God's provision overlaps when we pursue his promises. Okay, I'm going to say it again. The constant in transition is that provision overlaps when we pursue his promises. When I saw the day after, it just jumped out at me. I mean, we talked about it maybe two or three months ago. I was like, I don't know what this is going to look like, but I think this is a word. The day after, the day after. Imagine your transition, and you're going through a transition, and you feel like God has abandoned you. God has forsaken you. Why have you taken me to this place? You, you see transitions all the time. Abraham has a knife held up over his son Isaac, and he, he, I can't imagine the emotions going in there. But what happens? In that moment, he stops, and his provision overlaps. What's caught in the thorns? A ram that they get to sacrifice. You see, they go in there, and they wake up that morning, and it's just like any other morning. They've depended upon the manna, which they literally means what is it? This is like wafer-type bread that they would eat every day. And they, they were told, don't get more in one day that's gonna, that you're going to eat in that day. If you do, it's going to be rotten the next day. He was teaching a dependency upon them day after day. But now as they transition into a new season, they've learned dependency. But they get to see his provisions overlap because it's a fulfillment of his promise. 
God's got a promise for you. He's got, he's got a plan for you. And he's pushing you to pursue that plan, but he wants you to know that there is provisions that will overlap through that process. And you're like, wait, 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 that's really great. You're going to tell me some story about how, you know, you quit a job and you're out of work for six months and, you know, checks just keep coming in the mail. You know, Publisher Clearinghouse showed up and they were like, <laughs> right? No, I don't have that story. I, I, we have stories like that where God did provide financially. He provided with, with friends as, as you move into a new, a new place or a, a job comes up or one that you never expected but far greater than the one that you thought you would have. We have stories of those. You know, we talk about our, 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 our monument moments. I want you to think, what is your manna moments? Where does this provision overlap in your life? But if you say, okay, I don't have financial, I don't have relational, I don't have, you know, provision stories. I don't have a manna story. Let me give you one that you can hold on to regardless. You see, when we look at the promise that there is a promise that God has given us. It's this promise to experience an eternal life with him. That there is this, this void that we've all been filling. Since the day we were born and, 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 and we exercised this sin nature, it's created this void that we've tried to fill. And even some of our transitions have been in the attempt to fill that void. I'm leaving one relationship because of a few things I don't like, because you look like you're a person that could fill, fulfill all of my needs. I'm going to leave one job because I'm not necessarily satisfied with the work I can do, because in a pursuit for more money over here that will satisfy what I need. See, oftentimes we use that, that hole there to fulfill that. And I want to look at a, a, a people here. Now, now we're in the New Testament in Jesus' time. He's teaching to a crowd of people. 5,000 men plus women and children. He's teaching them, and he turns to his disciples, and he says, they're hungry, you feed them. And they scramble, like any of us would, like, what, where do we, uh, you know, we don't even have enough money to feed all these people. And he does a miraculous work where he feeds all of them with extra overlap, right? Extra. There we go. <laughs> extra. There's plenty of sodas outside afterwards. <laughs> Carry into the next season. No, um, and, and it's so fun because you look at this, the next day, there's a group of people that are around Jesus, and they start talking, and they start, they start asking him questions of saying, um, are you really from, from heaven? Are you really from God like you say you are? If you are, give us a sign. They said Moses, who was in heaven, or Moses in the Old Testament, gave the people of Israel a sign by providing bread for them manna every day. And Jesus has a response to that. And this is what I love. Here in John chapter 6, Jesus said, or sorry, chapter 6, verse 33. He says, For the bread of God is he who comes down from heaven and gives life to the world. He says, they, they respond to him, Sir, give us this bread always. And Jesus said to him, I am the bread of life. Whoever comes to me shall not hunger, and whoever believes in me shall never thirst. But I say to you that you have seen me, and yet you do not believe. All that the Father gives me will come to me, and whoever comes to me, I will never cast out. He's saying, I have something available for everyone. That the bread that they ate in the wilderness is bread that got stale, that got old, that needed to be replenished. 
I am the one that the Father has sent. I am the true bread of life that if you eat of me, you will never hunger. If you believe in me, you will never thirst. And so they're still thinking in their physical mind, give us that bread. I want to eat a loaf of bread that I never have to eat again. I never, you know, that I could always be sustained and, and filled. And he's saying, I will, but you don't believe in who I am in order for you to be satisfied in what I can bring. So he says, for I have come down from heaven, not to do my own will, but the will of him who sent me. And here's the promise. And this is the will of him who sent me, that I should lose nothing of, of, of all that he has given me, but raise it up on the last day. For this is the will of my Father, that everyone who looks on the Son and believes in him should have eternal life, and I will raise him up on the last day. That is the promise he's called us towards. When he left, Jesus said, I'm going to prepare a place for you in my Father's house. He is working. He's saying there is a promised land that's beyond this physical realm. There is heaven and, and abiding with him, being in relationship with him for all of eternity. That's the promise. But what's his provision as we pursue his promise? It's the bread of life. It's belief in Jesus. It's, it's being confident in what he has done on the cross in order to sustain us through every circumstance. So it may not be the, the, the financial provision. It may not be the job that we wanted. It may not even be the relationship that we are hoping for. But he's saying, beyond all of that, I have something more sure. It's him and him crucified for my sake. And if I allow that to fill my longings, that to fulfill my desires, then my circumstances can change and I can embrace that change because I have a constant in transition because I'm looking towards the promise, not the promise that something or one of these things offers me in the moment. Does that make sense? And so the last, the last piece is we have a, there's the constant in transition, there's a tension in transition, but there's also the growth in transition. There's growth in transition. You know, even though the Israelites have been given this land, it's interesting because they hadn't yet inhabited the land. They already ate from the fruit of the land, but they hadn't fully moved in to the land. There was still something that they needed to do. What was next is Jericho and the walls of Jericho, the towering walls of Jericho that, that were a, a ragtag group of people that have come out, out of the desert to get this land that God promises. And now there's people that are inhabiting it, and you're calling us to go in to fight them all, to clear it out, to cleanse it so that we can then inhabit it? That doesn't sound much like a, pr a provision, right? That, that's, that's like a promise with some, you know, added extra work. Who wants that? You know, like, with your kids. I use it all the time, though, you know? I'm like, we can go on a daddy date. That's what I call it. We can go on a daddy date if, and you can fill in the blank. I use it all the time, but it's like, come on, that's not, like, but God says, listen, I, I've, I've given you this land. It's still yours to take. See, they're met with walls, but it goes from a promise. There's a journey from promise to possession. It takes a fight. It takes work. It takes a response from us. It takes a willingness to lean in and to say, I'm ready to take that. I believe in God, and I believe what he has for me. I, therefore, I'm willing to grow in the transition. 
That's a different mindset than us just saying, okay, transitions happen to me, and I'm going to react to them. Now I'm going to be proactive in pursuing transitions because I know what God's going to do on the other side of it. I, I travel a bit for work, and while I'm traveling, I try to stay up on exercise and stuff, and it just kind of depends. Uh, you know, anyway, gyms are like... Hotel gyms is, is, is what I'm kind of getting at, is like what I, what I have to work with. And so sometimes it can be really great, other times not so much. And, uh, but I see this a lot in, in a hotel gym. It's got this list of like rules uh, f- for the facilities, and it's like consult a physician before you s- begin to exercise. Like a physician's going to tell us exercise isn't a good thing, right? And uh, then it's like, you know, keeping track, uh, you know, be sure to keep the equipment clean or clear of any danger. And then there's this one rule, and I love this rule. I love this rule. It says here, I, I, I put it up on the screen. It says, stop exercising if you feel faint, dizzy, exhausted. Okay, I get those. Or have any feeling of discomfort. <laughs> Thank you, Jesus. <laughs> Whew. My heart's racing a little bit. I'm sweating a ton. I should probably stop. This is a little uncomfortable. <laughs> right? Like, by the way, my wife and I spent a day in San, Diego, in San Francisco yesterday. Whew, talk about exercise. Goodness gracious. We went on a little bike ride, too. Uh, she's going she's gonna to laugh. Okay, so we, we decided. We don't get away from our kids very often. Uh, grandparents have our kids, so we're like, okay, we're going to make a day of it. We're going to have some fun. Um, let's do a bike ride in, in, the, in the park. And uh, we found this place that has a tandem bike. So, like, we are those, that, that couple yesterday. <laughs> Not generally, but yesterday we were totally that couple, and we were thinking, like, this is so fun, and I'm kind of the driver, and I'm realizing, tandem bike, not as easy as it looks, by the way, right? Any little movement, like, causes the whole thing. It's like you're, you're like, taking a trailer on your bike, right? (laughs) Not that she's, like, a trailer, guys. (laughs) Uh (laughs) Anyway, so... I'm kind of like leading the charge first, and I think it's fun. I'm like, babe, you got to try it. You got to try it. Let's do it. And the first, like, the, the, the first half of, the, of our route is, like, downhill. It's not, like, super steep, but it's, it's at a downhill grade. And uh, we decide to switch. She's, she's doing it, and it's, uh, she's steering us. And she swears it's my body weight, like, could affect the whole, like, the whole bike. Anyway, we're going down the street. I'm really just telling you the story just because it's fun. Um, and I've, we got two bikers behind us and a car behind us. And it's only a two-lane thing. And there's par- cars parked all on the side of this street. And, and she's like, I said, babe, just, we got to slow down. Like, and we're, I kind of yelling because we're, you know, we're front to back. I'm like, well, I got to slow down. Let's let them pass. And she's like, I'm trying. I'm trying. And then all of a sudden, if your car was parked in uh, the park some- <laughs> yesterday, we may need to talk. Um, the next thing we know, it's like the steering wheel is this way, the car is over here, and for some reason our bike still somehow goes into the car. And there's so many things that flash through my mind in this moment, like so many transition, life transitions that could possibly come from this. I thought my money, my pockets just, money was going to have to fly out of my pockets because of what is happening. And we hear this crunch and everybody's safe. We didn't fall over, uh, but we were just like, you know, you get that, that that shake, that scare into the core of you. And uh, anyway, we ended up 
Lord is on our side. Because it's one of those mirrors. We hit a mirror that went backwards. Luckily, it like, whew, I'm sweating just thinking about it. Anyway, fun times, babe, fun times. All about exercise. That's what my goal was uh, in that story. Definitely a side, side uh, not necessary. I think it's funny because it says, stop exercising if you feel faint, dizzy, exhausted, or have any feeling of discomfort. There was a lot of discomfort yesterday, right? But when you're building muscle, muscle tears and then regrows, tears and then regrows. You develop through discomfort. Like you have to push through the discomfort to actually see any sort of development occur. So, so when we look at transition and we see these seasons, God is saying, listen, these transitions aren't always going to be comfortable, a lot of times they're going to be very uncomfortable, but if you have the right mindset and realize that you're going to develop through it, them going and marching around Jericho did so much for their faith and their, and their willingness to go to Ai afterwards and to go to, into Canaan afterwards. Like They have so many battles beyond that they needed Jericho in preparation for what was to come. See, Joseph going to Egypt was for the preparation so that when the, his family came, they could survive in Egypt. The season while in Egypt was for the nation of Israel to grow beyond numbers that the Egyptians could even handle. Slavery was for the, the, the reason to show that our God is a redeeming God. The exodus was so that they could depend on him to provide at every step that they took. Because you can't imagine taking that many people out in the desert. It's not like we just run away. Like you see a trail of people for miles. It's not that easy. And then they come through the wilderness. And as we mentioned before, that's for dependency on him. We got to look back and we got to say, listen, those transitions were for a reason. They're to develop us. And the ones that we're still going to face are going to develop us even more. So we have to have a mentality, an attitude, an ability to lean in and to say, listen, the growth and transition is that we develop through discomfort so we can embrace those transitions and say, okay, listen, healthy things grow. Healthy things grow. And when you grow, you go through different phases, different seasons, different transitions. You know, I, I, I buy my kids pants and I'm just like, these, there's no way he's going to grow out of these pants. And by the end, like, I'm so glad that, like, high waters are in because, like, by the end of the season, it's like, he, you see his ankles, and I'm like, okay, well, at least he looks hip and trendy. I did not intend for that to happen, but he grew into those. And so we got to be ready. We ought to recognize that's not a surprise. We're going to grow through transition seasons. And so if we recognize that, we also see not just individually, I'm going to have transitions, but I'm looking and I'm saying, okay, we as a church are going to have transitions. We as a, a, as a people, if we're healthy, healthy things grow, we are going to go through seasons where it's going to challenge us. The role you play in the church today will not look like the role you play in the church in two years. And some are like, ooh, okay, yeah. I hope not, right? Maybe you don't like where you're serving. We'll change it. Like, we want to help you find your role. Others are like, oh, I'm just volunteering. Like, you may be a leader in two years. In fact, you need to be a leader in two years because we're not just going to have two services in two years. You may not be at one location in two years. I, I don't know. But saying, listen, put your mind around the fact that you're going to grow. Therefore, you say, I may not even be serving. Well, if you're going to be here in two years, you need to be serving. 
Because this isn't just something we come and we attend and we are part of. This is something we participate in. Because it's not about us. You know, we, we love the empty seats. And right now, it's a, it's a pretty, this is a good size. Summer, this is a summer morning. Like, this is a good size. This is full. And you may see that empty chair, and that's like your, you know, it's, I think it's usual for us to be like, oh, it's our buffer. Right? It's just the comfort seat. Get spread out a little. You don't have to worry about their legs or their arms or anything touching. Don't let that be a comfort. Let that be a reminder. Because that's a reminder of the person that could be here if we're intentional about what's going on there. See, that's the mentality of saying we're going we're gonna to embrace transition. We're going to lean into transition. So what does that mean for you? That means get connected. Be in a small group. Lead a small group. Be on a dream team. Go through go, growth track. Find out where your role is here because what it is going to do is it's more from you. That, like, they don't want anything from you. It's more for you. Recognizing that, listen, lean into giving. God's going to do far more through that. And I get to say this because I have no, I have no real, in, like, like, I don't get anything out of this. Like, giving for us is one of the greatest acts of obedience we've ever done because God proves faithful no matter the season, because he's first, okay? Amen. And he's like, come on, man, I'll wrap this up. I, okay, I will, I will, I will. Okay, so we ask, what are our monument moments, right? What, what, what context, where has God proven himself faithful in the past? What's your man of moments? Where has he given you provisions in the past? And I'm asking you this week to look, to take time and say, what's my Jericho? What's the next walls that I'm about to hit? How can I best be prepared for those? How can I lean into that opportunity? Because this is what it says in James chapter 1, starting in verse 2, it says, count it all joy, my brothers, when you meet trials of various kinds, for you know that the testing of your faith produces steadfastness. So when you experience a transition, count it joy. He wants to develop you in this season. Because it produces steadfastness, and let steadfastness have its full effect that you may be perfect and complete, lacking in nothing. What that means is that perfect and complete is that trials and testing produce endurance, they produce stamina, they give you hope, they give you a context of trust, which then develops a confidence in the God you serve, a confidence in the one who orchestrated it all and has a plan for you.